This is the Championship Plus Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hello, welcome to the Championship Clubs Podcast. My name is Sam Roberts and we have an absolutely action-packed show for you tonight. Really excited to be here uh, alongside me, Gareth Allred. Uh, Gareth, good afternoon to you, or good morning, or good evening, whenever you're listening uh, to this show. I suppose it's always a bit difficult when you introduce people on a podcast. You don't know what time people are listening. But hello, Gareth Orrin. How are you? Uh, good afternoon, Sam. I can say what time we're recording at. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good to see you again. And thank you for stepping in as our, our special guest host today. Yeah, it's a very special show. Very special show, keeping people in touch with everything that's going on. And we've got two very special guests. Uh, along in a while, uh, Doncaster's own Billy McBride. Uh, I'm really fascinated to talk to him about his transition out of Wales and, of course, how he's getting up on uh, in the north and, and, and all things uh, father and son as well. I'm sure we'll get to talk about that in the due course. But our first guest uh, is from perhaps one of the prettiest places that you could get in Championship Rugby. And I hope uh, clubs listening will excuse Excuse me when I introduce them, and I think I've got to give it the official title, haven't I, Mark? It is the Santa Fe International uh, Field of Play down in Jersey. Mark Morgan, Jersey Rose Champions with us. Hello, Mark. How are you? Good day, afternoon, evening, whatever it is. Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> it's, it's really good to have you on. Very good to have you on. Uh, not least of all, and I'm sure we'll come to it in, in due course, but um, the, the, the Bedford-Jersey game is, is upon us. People are already talking about that Boxing Day clash. I'm sure we'll get to that in a moment. But well done at the moment for your season so far, uh, Mark. And, uh, and tell us all about it. Tell us how, how, how the people of Jersey are feeling about rugby at the moment. You're sitting pretty. You're looking good. Uh, there are some obviously great sides in the championship, but but how do you feel that your season's gone so far? Yeah, well, clearly, as you say, the the position in the in the table uh, tells a story itself. I think it's by far the highest level we've been uh, at this stage of the season since we came into the championship, whatever it was, ten eleven years back. So um, that's that's very good. There's a lot of buzz on the island, a really good buzz about uh, what's happening. And I think as much as anything, not just about uh, the position itself, but the, the style of rugby that we've been trying to play. Um, Saturday was an interesting example. We, we had a, an amazing first half, put five tries on Kov. Uh, and to their credit, they really pushed back in the second half. Um, but they were five good tries in appalling conditions. And, um, you know, they weren't by any means all more tries. They were, there was a good running rugby played there as well. And is that is that a consideration that you've had for, for a while? Is that is that something? I mean, when you when you think about things as a club, you know, even in your your board meetings, does it does it yeah. filter in the the overall style of, uh, of of everything? Not 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 just the, the welcome that you get when you turn up and, and, and you know sort of click through the turnstiles, but but also out there on the pitch. I mean, is that something you you've spoken about as a club? Yeah, I think I think we we actually pride ourselves on on our hospitality. Everything from corporate side down to the you know, guy coming through the turnstiles, um, to how we look after visiting sides, visiting um, you know media people, the whole thing. We're trying to really make it a, a place that people want to come to, um, and I think that pays dividends. Um, at the end of the day, you know we're only a small island, and we get regularly twelve to fifteen hundred people through the gate. Not not Bedford level, not a Cov level necessarily, but when we've only got a hundred thousand people in the island, you're talking about one and a half percent of the population there. It's not not too bad. Well, it's actually a little less than that, but it's not too bad. So yeah, we try to make it a great experience for whoever's coming for whatever reason, and um, and hope they have a great time. 
Gareth, do you do you recognise that? I mean, obviously you're on here as a as a co-host, and you know you're doing your media bit today. But obviously you have a, a very serious other hat uh, with Bedford Blues. Do you, you recognise that that the total package that clubs have is a is is an important thing that everyone. I mean, you can, obviously winning rugby is important, but but also a, a style of, of of everything that goes with the day is important that clubs understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think from our perspective, we always say that. Our aim is to be the best entertainment venue on any given match day across the whole of Bedfordshire because our competition isn't just other rugby clubs or other sports clubs. Um, I know a bit about Jersey. I was there for, for just under 18 months. I had a small stint, but um, that recognised the value that it has to, to the island. It almost takes on a national identity, which gives them some really um, cool and different opportunities that others don't have. Here, we, we pride ourselves on the history and heritage, um, but equally on the match day experience. So, you know, making sure from whether it's live music, whether it's additional activity, whatever it may be, um, gives people the, the real enjoyment factor when they're here. Uh, I think Jersey do it brilliantly. Uh, I think we're very lucky. You know, Mark mentioned we're probably the best avoid club now in the championship, uh, now that, that that 13th club has disappeared that always used to drop down and, and mm. sway things. But, uh, yeah, we see that. I mean, a big part, Mark touched on the, the type of rugby. That's part of our DNA and Mike Rea as, as I, I guess it was before Mike, but Mike is certainly... Um, very keen if anybody watched him at fullback back in his day for Cardiff and Wales. Uh, uh, he liked that form of rugby and, and playing an entertaining brand is, is something we think appeals to our supporters. Mark, um, touching on that, we mentioned Mike Rare, we mentioned someone who has, who has been with the club for a long time. You yourself, you know, played for the club. You, you, you've been on the island for a long time. You, you, you've woven yourself into the fabric of, 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 of the, the very place that you're trying to promote. Obviously, that must help and, and that must give you um, a sort of buy-in and a, a sort of presence, which, which, you know, is essential to do, doing what you do. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think um, uh, we probably are one of the best supported clubs from a corporate sponsorship perspective in the championship. Um, and and I, I'm sure a lot of that is down to the fact that, you know, I, I grew up here. Um, I learned my, my trade here, as it were, in the banking world. Um, and I think it's important when you're sitting down with potential sponsors, whether it's from, you know, from a bank, from a, uh, from a law firm, wherever it happens to be, or a construction firm, you've got to have some idea of what their business is about. You've got to have some interest in, in what they're doing and, and how well or otherwise they're doing. Um, and, and I think if you can talk that language, it, it certainly puts you in a better position to convince them that you're a proposition worth backing. How important is, I mean, because a lot of people talk about the sort of hospitality and the, the, the corporate element of it. I mean, it's it's a difficult one in a sense because you, you obviously want to be a fans club because, you know, rugby is about the fans. But, but, but corporate is slightly different. How do you... How do you sort of play both of those, um, the, both of those violins, if you extend the metaphor a little bit? How, how do you get the best out of both of those, mm. those, those processes? So um, you're absolutely right. And it was, it was something I actually inherited. I've, I've been doing this job for six years. It was a position that I inherited, um, the fact that the, the main clubhouse itself is put to use for corporate um, lunches, basically. And uh, again, let's not underplay the value and success of those. We sold out. Uh, upstairs for the rest of the season now. So, you know, it's a hugely important um, element of income to us. But you're absolutely right as well. We can't afford to complete, completely alienate the average club, club, uh, club attendee. So what we did, um, we put a, a, a big marquee up at the side of the pitch 
Um, and at the moment, that's, that's doing a nice kind of business. It's selling pots of, so it could be pots of chili, could be pots of curry, whatever, a reasonable price, a pint at a reasonable price, and somewhere sheltered uh, with a good view onto the pitch that people can gather and talk about the game. And then what we also make sure we do very effectively is as soon as the uh, pre-match lunch is over, we ask people to stand, we clear the tables, and right after the game, it's the regular clubhouse. So people do have access, uh, you know, back to their own club right, right after the uh, right after the game, which is uh, very well appreciated, I think. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I touched upon there. And this is for you, Gareth, as well. I suppose that the key thing is inclusivity. And of course, in a way, what you're selling with hospitality is a little bit of an exclusivity. You're, you're saying that you're going to get a, a feeling of the game that, or a position of the game or a, a, an access of the game that, 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 is, that is not for everyone. But at the same time, rug, rugby is about inclusivity. How, how, how does that blend itself for you? Yeah, look, we're very lucky, aren't we? We've, we've had a bit of development of our facilities. Uh, it's still an old-fashioned ground, but um, you know, Mark will hopefully see again on Boxing Day. There's been some further development, and we have different offerings. So, you know, we've got you know our premium hospitality suite, the Dovecote suite, that offers something you know probably a bit higher end for us, and actually um, probably is a comparative level to what happens at Jersey, which is really good. Um, but then we've got you know the Marquee, that's a bit more of a, a party venue, but still a hospitality pre-match. Then gets wiped out um as soon as the, the game kicks off and live music afterwards and then we've got the new borough at the blues um which is a, a great venue um which has taken on a different audience for us a bit more of a street food uh, entry level hospitality experience then we've got the, the private boxes and then we've got bars you know you can play pub golf at golden road quite easily because we've uh, we've got 10 bars that you can make your way around um even one for after you finish so um you know we're it's slightly different and that's the great thing of the championship there's so many different models uh, with their own identity and history uh we've got to be careful that we don't lose them but at the same time we've probably got to work a bit more collaboratively or collaboratively if i can say the word around those ideas um and make them work but yeah it's it's important you blend all of them i think everybody's in a different situation um with their crowd jersey was really unique where you know it probably has the highest attendance of corporate hospitality hospitality to fan base um, you know, I used to look out there and think, you know, it could be a sustainable model by having 30% of its spectators being in corporate hospitality. Um, whereas, you know, we're probably more at uh, 15%, but we have a bit more of a blend. So, you know, I, I don't see too much difference between sponsors and, and supporters at Bedford because typically they're all part of the Blues family, as we would call it. And, and the, the very fabric of the club is that everybody is, um, well, you'd know, Sam, you were... <laughs> You're one of the golden children of Bedford uh, Rugby Club, so uh, you've been brought up here. So, um, no, look, I think it's really important for us that everybody finds their inclusive part, which probably leads on to why we created the foundation and the community department as well. But uh, that's that's a story for a different day. Mm. Indeed. I'm going to come back to you, Mark, and, and talk about... It's a difficult word. It's a word that's thrown around a lot uh, in championship clubs, and it, it's an ambition. Where where are Jersey um, and 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 with where you find the, the club at the moment? What and I and I appreciate you might you might not want to be too bold and and, and lay too much out here, but but can you can you say you know where where your ambitions lie with the club? Yeah, I mean very clearly it's, it's a published ambition. We with the um, funding situation the way it is, um, we we cannot possibly go to the Premiership at this stage. Um, we're very open about that. Um, and I don't think many clubs would want to, given the unfair level of funding for, from one set of 
clubs to another. So our, our very clear ambition at this stage is to be a top half championship team driving towards sustainability. That's, that's you know, I, I think it doesn't sound very glamorous, but I think if, you, if we could achieve that, we'd be pretty chuffed with it. What, what do you say then when, because, uh, and I, I run into them quite a bit, you know, I, I run into, in the circles I, I sort of, I sort of come into contact with fans, you, you will often hear the idea that really the only ambition that you need to have is, is what, what, why don't you want to be an extra? What, why don't you want to get to the premiership? Now, can you, can you just elaborate for those, perhaps, perhaps yes. I'm tuning in for the first time, just, just to, just to understand why that isn't. I mean, I, I know because I, I, I'd probably give a similar answer to that fan that, that you would about, about what it is. And, and for me, I, I wish more, more people had uh, the appreciation of, of being um, a top second tier side first and foremost before anything else happened. But can you, can you, can you, in your own words, can you sort of talk about what, what, why, why, what you would say to a fan that that was that was contrary to? Well, we actually, you know, the Premiership isn't an ambition of ours. So, so I would firstly state that, that there's no lack of ambition in terms of playing great rugby and delivering a great uh, experience. There's no lack of ambition whatsoever there. And in fact, I think given the resources that we all have to work with, we do a damn good job. Um, I'd maybe answer the question in a slightly different way and, and, and say, why would you want to be a premiership club? You show me one that's making any money right now. And if you didn't have Mr. Rich Man sitting behind that club, you'd have nothing. Now, that is not a sustainable business model. Forget, forget the lack of funding for us. It is not a sustainable business model for our sport in, in the country. Um, and... I, you know, we all know PRL is a standalone unit. We can't influence that. We can't do anything about it. But it, it does surprise me that we allow, uh, you know, the absolute top echelon of our sport in the country to be run on a, on a loss-making basis. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Any other, any other industry, you'd be out on your backside. <laughs> you wouldn't have a club. Simply put, so I, I turn it around a little bit and, and say it's, it's a bigger question than do we in the championship, you know, have ambition. I think it's it's how are we going to put this this uh, this game to rights? How are we going to get it on a sustainable basis across the board? And I, by the way, I don't have the answer, <laughs> so don't go there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't worry, Jump I, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to crucify you by uh, by following up that question with. Well, go on, then tell us how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gareth, go on. Yeah. Well, just you know, uh, and just to arrest that, I mean, it was interesting in Mark's answer because yes, I probably knew it was heading that way, and it's a very similar answer to what we would give, hmm. and probably two clubs that are not in two different situations. The the interesting thing would be. You know, if you ask Mark in this this case, what your ambition would be if it was a level playing field, i.e., you know, you're receiving 159,000 from uh, central funding this year, uh, and it doesn't look too set to change. We'll move on to that uh, in a little while, I'm sure. Yeah. As opposed to the several millions of pounds in the Premiership. So let's say you were promoted and you received the same shareholding, um, which you know we we like to live in la la world sometimes, but uh, we know it's not going to happen. But if that was the case, would you be interested in being promoted? Absolutely. No question. Uh, uh, without being flippant, why wouldn't you? I mean, clearly, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's, the, uh, that's the nirvana, isn't it? We, we all have the same opportunity and you, your success isn't driven by the depth of pockets that you have sitting in the, in the boardroom, but by what you deliver as a club and, and on the field. This, this is a difficult question, Mark. 
What, what's the first thing? And I, I know you you said, you know, I, you don't have the answer, but 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 what what would be the first step? And that links into you know a conversation that we're going to have around around this strategic review mm. and and where we feel it's headed. What what do you think is the first good step that this? And I don't just mean leagues, but this sport, the the sport of rugby in England. What's the first step that it it needs to take in in your mind to to sort of perhaps right its passage well, it's interesting that you, you you sort of opened it up to other sports because i often i often think and often say that any sporting any sports governing body which we, we, we happen to be talking about rugby but it doesn't matter it could be football it could be hockey it could be netball it doesn't matter their primary objective must surely be to ensure that their sport thrives at every single level and that word thrive means you know, that, that everybody's getting a great opportunity to flourish, to develop their skills, to go forward, to get as high, or, high as they want, or just to play Sunday pub rugby. It doesn't matter, but everybody's got to have that opportunity. Um, and, and from where I sit, I'm not seeing a lot of thriving, if you, if you would like to, like to put it that way. Um, I look across the water at our, our friends in Guernsey. Guernsey are playing now in National 2 um, and, and doing pretty okay. They're about, I think, fifth or sixth in the table there, something like that. They certainly have ambitions to push towards uh, Level 3, which would be National 1. Um, yet last season, the, the £100,000 that they were getting to help cover their, as you can imagine, very expensive travel costs was completely taken away. Um, our women's team here in Jersey had its funding completely taken away. Right? And... I'm not saying necessarily that we need special treatment because of where we are, but it is tremendously expensive, as you could imagine, um, for us. So everyone will obviously think of Jersey Reds, the first team, the pro team. Yes, we're on and off the island every other week. But so are our amateurs. Our amateurs have to play. Our amateur males have to play on the mainland. Our amateur women play on the mainland. And about five levels of our juniors play on the mainland because there's no there's no competition here. So... Um, you know, I think that the funding that these these guys and, and our friends in Guernsey were receiving was in recognition of, you know, that there has to be some help there, some small amount of help to ensure that the game can thrive in these in these areas. So when I talk about not, thriving, you know, for me, and I accept it's been tough times, but for all of that funding at a lower level to have been drained away over the past couple of seasons, it is horrendous. Yeah, I think that's really just to add to that on, on Sam's question, I think the, the wider part, I think they are two separate issues, the championship and elite rugby um, versus what the RFU probably first objective in many ways should be, and that is participation, which has, you know, let's not forget, has a major issue. Um, so, you know, I played for a local club here and, and uh, Bedford Queens and they struggle with getting numbers out on a Saturday and it's, you know, the classic run around, right, who's available and, and yet they've got an international former international player, Moritz Bother, as head coach and still struggling to get players in. And if I think about my time in Jersey, I actually turned out for a, a brilliant little club, La Kennebe, um, mm -hmm. great set mm -hmm. of lads. And and yet I think that club doesn't even exist anymore. And I think there's there's been struggles out there. I think they probably get together for a piss up every once in a while. Um, yeah. They were very good at that. Very good yeah. at that. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it is a challenge. I think from a championship perspective, um, you know, we've just got to look at where the value is. And we know there is. I mean, actually, me and Mark spoke recently and, and various other people in the championship around that the sheer quality and depth of players that have gone on and played premiership and, and for England and 
it's scary. I mean, Mark, what, what did you see? You know, Jersey as a relatively newcomer. I mean, what were your, yeah. your numbers were were scary? Well, since since, since uh, again, since I've been back, I don't you know I haven't focused too much before that. But uh, plus, I think we weren't in a position to push people on. But in the last six years, we've sent thirty six players up to Premiership or equivalent. So we've had some go to Scotland, some go to Wales, but 36. And in the last six nations, sorry, in the last, not six nations, the autumn internationals, there were six ex-reds turning out for various home nations. Uh, mm. And people, you know, Kieran, Kieran Hardy for Wales um, had two seasons with us. We pulled him out of the Welsh Premiership where he was just being buried. And that, that I saw that young boy grow to a man in those two years with the level of attention he was he was given um and obviously a tremendous lot of effort he put into himself in himself but there he is now turning out for wales um you know so there's a lot of examples like that uh, and, and bedford exactly the same you know i, ju- I just saw um the, the, the second cow and dicky moving up to leicester for you know be given a full-time uh, uh contract today so there's so much of that going on there. And I honestly believe that the rugby world, the English rugby world is missing a trick. Um, and we, we, again, we, we do talk about it a lot amongst ourselves, but we can't implement it ourselves. But, but this is the obvious place to develop young English rugby players. It's the obvious place. Well, you, you look at Leicester, a good example, Mark mentioned there. I mean, there are four English qualified uh, hookers. Tom Youngs um, obviously did the dual reg scheme, so Bedford and Nottingham. Uh, Karen Dickey, uh, as you say, through, through Pirates. Uh, Charlie Clare actually spent a month alone at Jersey, but uh, with Bedford. Um, and Dolly, obviously, coming out yeah. of nowhere, left field, I uh, think played, played briefly at Jersey as well. But, uh, we, had him, we had him for a season. He was a season here, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, look, there's so many examples. I think we're going to put something out from the podcast group um, shortly on, on the sheer stats and on the numbers uh, there because it is worth reinforcing. But the, the, the challenge is bigger than that because I think that's fact. I think the development tool is fact. You know, people can try and argue it, but it's very easy for us to give evidence of, um, of what the league does yeah. and continues to do to develop players. I think what we need to look into is the, the competition structure, which is being looked at, um, and obviously the commercial side of it. And I guess we'd be interested in your thoughts, Mark, on, on that really and, and what the mm. direction of travel is and where mm. you think it should go. Mm. Well, in terms of the, of the season structure, um, I think we'd all agree that for the past, well, since, since the demise of the British and Irish Cup, what we've had as a cup competition has been poor. And I think I can speak for a lot of other clubs, but certainly our club, uh, if, you are, if you talk to your spectators or all your sponsors about which matches they want to come and see, it's not the cup games. <laughs> There's very little interest in the cup games. So I've been very forthright with, with the group that's working with Connor at the moment from a Jersey perspective in saying that we, we have to have a 14-team four, a league. We might not be able to go to it this season or sorry, next season, but within a couple of seasons, we need to get there unless unless there is an exciting, interesting cup option. And nobody comes up with that. Uh, the obvious ones that are floating around out there is why don't we have a cup competition between championship clubs and A-sides from the Premiership? I, I think that would be brilliant. Uh, and I think it would get a huge amount of support. But I don't hear a lot of positivity from the other end <laughs> on, on, that, you know, on that idea. So um, go back to that question. The answer is without a really exciting cup competition, we need to get to 14 uh, 14 teams as soon as possible because I, I, from a commercial perspective, I know we can sell those 
I know that we'll get corporate sponsorship. We'll get people through the gates to watch the game. So that's where I would head. It's um, it's quite interesting. It'd probably be easier if we were at loggerheads, Mark, and make this a better podcast if we could argue <laughs> with each other. Uh, and uh, and I would love to do that. But uh, no, it's uh, we're, we're very much aligned on that. I think you know the only difference would have been the the BNI Cup. Actually, we were huge supporters of. We were probably the problem we was were. we were in the minority. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So maybe maybe other clubs weren't, and that was was probably upsetting. You know, we put a lot of thought into you know different themes, ladies' days, um, you know, different events and themes that that worked really well. Um, Sam managed to to auctioneer a, um, a, a number twenty three naked man um, his shirt off for about a grand uh, for a thousand pound for charity. So you know, we Boom. had some success. Um, yeah. But the, um, the, the, the point, I guess, for us was playing different teams, the journeys, the real rugby stories. Yeah. We loved going to Ireland. Um, obviously, I enjoyed going back home to Wales. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and those stories were great. Um, but I was uh, really, I was referring more to the, the recent cup setup. Yeah. Yeah. Being and I, we like. Being I, we like. Yeah, being I, we like. And, and look, we don't want to play, none of us want to play the, the Spain team, you know, five times in a, in a season you know even even us and Amtel get a bit fed up probably facing yes, some of that many times imagine. so um there's only, so, look, there's only uh, so many battles of Brexit here right well <laughs> I don't know I don't know we're still selling it but um, no I think I think it's really critical I think the Prem Champ Cup would be exciting but you're right Mark we need buy-in on that and if not yeah. we need to get you know we need to get a stronger league concept in place as possible yeah. and for us renewing some old rivalries you know looking at you know what geography we could find in the other clubs yeah. in this league we have to be careful we don't become you know, a London-centric league, but equally at the same time, there's clubs like Rosalind Park who deserve a shot. But they have a great setup off the field as well. So, you know, we've, we've, we've got to give opportunity, but I think going to 14 so quickly, we're still a, a little bit unsure about where Scottish lie, although, you know, I, I think they very much see themselves as part of this league. And and who knows who goes up yet? You know, who knows yeah, if, yeah. if he even take their shot? But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I think we're very aligned. Yeah. Can I just, just yeah? Can I just steer the, the conversation? We we talked about development there, which was which was really quite key. But I, I just want to because I know that Jersey do this very well. I know that Bedford do it very well as well. And it, it is a part of the game that I think also needs a little bit of consideration. And at the other end, it, it's it's a player who who has perhaps you know done their part and played their bit and, and maybe even you know played in the in the top league and is is in a, in a slightly different transition and coming away from the game and, and still wanting still has two three maybe three years left in the tank in some shape or form uh, but is also looking to make a transition into some sort of business role, whether that be, you know, sort of small business or larger business. So I know that you, uh, Mark, at Jersey, you know, you're, you're very mindful of that. And, and whilst we we really sort of, it's easy to sell the, 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 the you know, the, the young players, you know, making the move and, and, and developing to the premiership, I really do believe that the championship has a really important part to play for the pro who is looking to, transition out of the game and do it safely. Mark, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, uh, without blowing our own trumpet, I think you just take a look at our staff. Um, you know, we've, we've given Rob Webber, uh, a young English coach, uh, we all know his background, 250-odd games in the Premiership and so on and so forth, played for England, uh, but very clearly had made up his mind. It was time to stop playing very clearly wants to be a coach at the top level um, and we'd be more than delighted to give him that opportunity and 
I think he's doing a great job, absolutely brilliant job, developing well. Um, we last season had Tom Williams playing for us, uh, young young Welsh lad, um, but thirty-ish, ready to ready to make that move. When Ed Robinson uh, moved on to Wasps, um, that gave us an opportunity to blood this young fellow and see how he how he's doing. And again, he's developing into a great young coach. So just as we talked about it being a, a, a you know a training ground for young players, it absolutely should be for your SNC guys, for your physios, for your coaches, and, and the whole the whole schmuck, really. Do you get any opportunity in which to, because I know Bedford does and, and, and perhaps, but there, there will be some businesses on the island as well that, that, that may, you may be able to make introductions and, and get people to talk. Is, is there an opportunity within, within that to, to, to sort of get people talking to, to, to players looking to transition out of bed, uh, rugby? You mean for job, from a job perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we, we, we run a programme within the club for our existing players. So not, not so yeah. much for you know, somebody from Gloucester or whatever, but for our existing players, um, helping them understand what that transition might look like. Because, you know, I think I think young lads will come to us because they think they've got a shot of going up. Yeah. And if that hasn't happened in two to three years' time, they have a life decision to make. Um, and what we try to do is put a, put a, uh, a programme in place I'm working with actually with a local recruitment firm who is also a sponsor, as it happens, uh, but a local recruitment firm who talk to them about skills they don't even know they've got, right? <laughs> what they can't understand how being a rugby player is going to help them do anything else whatsoever. Yet they've got so many great transferable skills, uh, discipline, you know, um, hard work, um, teamwork. There's so many great things that would work in any industry. And it's helping them understand the value of those and giving them the ability to as you alluded to there, then to be able to talk to firms outside about what that might look like. Um, mm. You know, we've got a lot of lads who have had a university degree, uh, university education. They're, you know, they've got a law degree, for example. You've got other lads that maybe have got nothing better than O-levels or A-levels, but there's a route out for them. We just need to help them find it. And I think um, it's taken us a few years to get that in place because, it, you know, we didn't honestly have the resources to do it. But working with this local recruitment firm, it's, it's something we, we have implemented now. I think it's really important for these guys. And, and, and as far as young development, Gareth, the, the key thing is, of course, you can't really develop young players unless you've got experience at the club. And it's the players on the way down who are handing out these absolute golden nuggets to these young players and developing them over a six-month period where, where in a different situation, without, without that experience also in your side. Because you, you can't just have a squad of you know, under-23s. Although it would be, you know, it'd be great. You, 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 need those, you need those longer stages Standing, uh, and more experienced individuals to, uh, to to play their part. Yeah, I mean, I could answer it in two words. Paul Tupai, um, <laughs> he, he he literally was a, a cornerstone of of the club, and and what a man to have in your changing room. I mean, he was what he, he was about sixty when he retired, wasn't he? The other year for us, um, <laughs> he uh, you know look, he he was you know you think about George Cruz coming in from Jewel Red from Saracens, how valuable having him next to him in the changing room. Um, also, just you know, talk about discipline, keeping the boys honest, um, keeping you work hard, you're still leading um, the charge in all fitness. I mean, talk about Paul Tupai, but actually, a guest uh, we had on the podcast recently, Mark Bright. I mean, what a warrior. Um, you know, and there's lots of them, Matt Challoner at Doncaster, there's been loads of them. Ours is our transition piece, and to answer the first question you asked around that, um, ours has changed slightly. So, you know, 
the, the funding cuts and COVID meant that we we decided to move back to part time. Um, that meant we had to look at transition. So, um, you know, we, we very much combined those offers. We, we've, we've got players who come back to us because they, they, they've already got their mind on that. We've had some great examples of players doing that. Lee Dixon. Uh, we managed to only sign him and, and move him to the championship by the fact that we could look at an opportunity with a private school here for him, him to start that road and that journey. And he's now very successfully head of sport. Um, at, uh, oh, I won't get it wrong, but somewhere where he... Yeah, that's the Barnard Barnard Castle, one I was going to yeah. Thank you, his former school. And, and you know, we got the next phase of that, Alex Day. Um, you know, we've seen the value he adds to the youngsters here. Um, and it's, you know, very much about that transition. And we've, we've got a lot of them, but... You know, we've coupled it with our dual register agreement and our, our strategic partnership with Northampton Saints. So we've still got the youngsters learning from those players. But everyone's different. You know, Jersey are in a very different scenario like Cornish Pirates, but you can't, you know, it's not as easy to move part-time, licenses, living, all those challenges. Um, and you've got to find what model works for you. And, and for us, that's meant that we've, we've added some more of that experience back. And, and it's paying dividends. You know, it definitely is both on the field but also for the development of youngsters. So, um, yeah, yeah there's, there's so many great examples of that. And I think it's just really important that you find the right fit for you and the club. Um, you know, we've got players doing pharmaceutical sales, teaching, landscape gardeners, you know, and and, and everything in between. So, um, you know, it's um, it's a bit of a throwback, um, but it's, uh, it, it's if we get it right on the pitch, which is our first, obviously, the first target, and, and Mike is, you know, in, with the resources he's got, is, is still bringing some magic together. So um, we're excited. We're, we're excited for, for Jersey on Boxing Day. That's the, the yeah, big tester. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. <laughs> it should be great. Well, uh, Mark, let me, let Mark me... is actually, Sam, did you know, Mark, Mark's actually a big Bedford fan. Uh, yeah, well, he's actually from the Shire. Me. I was born and bred. <laughs> born and bred in the Shire, indeed. Absolutely. Right, well, that's, that's, uh, that, 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 that leads me neatly into you. Talk, you can talk us through. Obviously, you would have one of the first things you would have looked at over the weekend was the, the Bedford Blues versus London mm. Scottish result. You don't, that's, what, that's the one you would have looked at, no doubt. But let me, let me go through the, uh, the weekend's results. Um, Amtel at Dillingham Park lost out to Cornish Pirates, 13-26. Uh, Donny uh, against Nottingham, a, a super rivalry that, but Don, Donny uh, getting the better hand of them almost, hitting the 50-point mark uh, against Nottingham. Uh, Bedford Blues, we'll talk about it, probably start it, uh, 24-19, got the bonus point try, uh, uh, but that's uh, as much as we can possibly say about that. Jersey uh, fought well against a, a resurgent Coventry side, then coming back in the second half to make a real meal of it. We'll obviously talk about that with you, uh, Mark, as well. And then Richmond, it must have ricocheted around the league, the half-time score from Richmond. They were up, I think, 17-0 at half-time against Ealing Trailfinders, but couldn't hold out. Uh, they lost 24-33. Let's start with Bedford Blues versus London Scottish, Gareth. I mean, we, we were both there. Um, uh, an abysmal afternoon. Uh, we can blame the weather and we can sort of uh, throw our, point our fingers elsewhere. But um, it, it, it was credit to London Scottish as well. They came, they did a job. Um, Blues did have good first half performance, uh, but it, it didn't quite follow through. And there were a few people leaving Goddington Road uh, feeling as though perhaps uh, it wasn't a vintage Pepper Blues result. How, how did you feel about it? I, I think they were headed to the bar, Sam. They weren't leaving, so it was all good. Um, the, <laughs> I didn't say um, when they were leaving. They were leaving at half past 10, 11 o'clock. Um, yeah, look, I, I think we're obviously saving our best for Jersey on Bob today, aren't we? Uh, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, look, it's it probably, you know, uh, fair to say, I think Mike felt he probably... Um, 
not escape with it, but um, you know, it was. It, we certainly made hard work of that second half. Um, but let's take nothing away from Scottish. I think they're improving week on week. Um, you know, certainly some some good performances in their side. I think their board felt as though, you know, they're really they're really happy with where the teams grow into and, and that they're getting more competitive. They said themselves that if, if that was at the start of the season, we'd have still put thirty or forty points on them even in that display. So. Look, I think Scottish made it difficult. I think, you know, did we take our foot off the gas? Did they get a good a try just before half-time? Maybe. Um, but we were just really happy to escape with uh, five points out of that game because, you know, at one point, as you know, with 30 men on the pitch, two yellow cards, it, it felt in that last five minutes like we were going to come away with nothing. Um, so I thought, I thought they looked a good side. I, I mean, I, you know, credit to London Scottish. I thought I thought they came and they 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 did they did a good job. You you've got the next, uh, of course, Mark. You know, and and yeah. and, I, and I would uh, I would say, uh, and I'm sure you would be. You know, I, I operate with a little bit of caution. You know, they 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 are they are they are not <laughs> a bottom place uh, sort of um, you know sort of beat them up sort of you know we'll just, we'll just, just put the points on they, they are they are getting better and better and, and it'll be interesting to see exactly what sort of uh, sort of handful they, they cause you uh, uh, this weekend well it'll be a, it will be a good litmus test for them uh, as much as anything because of course we had them first game of the season um, over over the rag and um, we put almost 50 points on them um, and they weren't really in the game but you know that was first game back in the in the championship for them and you just have to look at the results over the past three or four rounds to see how they are improving. Um, uh, they got their first win and they you know taken you guys to the wire at the weekend. And I forgot who, had, who they had the week before, but again, Com- they, uh, Coventry. Yeah. Coventry, yeah. Yeah. So and they, they've gone well there. So um no, we're fully aware that this this is banana skin uh, <laughs> waiting to be trodden upon. So no, the prep will be on point, I think, for that this week. Yeah, I spoke to Harry Shepherd for, for quite some time after the game, and 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 he spoke about just a couple of key sort of red zone choices that they made. They went blindside when they perhaps shouldn't have done on one occasion, and 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 they, he he doesn't feel as though it's too far away. And and if they can just join it all up, you know, they are they are going to give you know a couple of people between yeah. the end of the season a bit of a bloody yeah. nose. And I, I think I think that's where they are. We um we actually picked uh, their scrum half in the team of the week, Champions Club. Yeah. Champion Club Sport Team of the Week, Kieran's. He's actually fifth choice at Elit, sent on loan to, to Scottish. Um, I mean, that's quite worrying in itself because he was, I mean, skill set, you know, box kicks. I mean, you'll have to watch out for that, especially on the island, Mark, because it's not easy mm. to take a high ball at any time. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, you know, I don't read lots of improvements, but uh, yeah, there was. We, we were very thankful to get into, um, I think our players headed straight into their Christmas social. So uh, nobody wants to do that on the back of a loss. <laughs> True in the in, in the top game uh, on the list, Ampthill lost out to Cornish Pirates. Uh, they're they're pushing they're pushing hard. Uh, we know all about them. We know how difficult it is to go down to Cornwall, uh, Mark. Um, mm-hmm. Forgive me, my my knowledge of the picture list is isn't 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 hundred percent. But you you must be playing them again at some time. When 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 are you up against Cornish Pirates again? Pirates. Um... So, so they were mid, midway through this round, so it'll be you know midway through the second second half of it, I think. I'll just pull up, give me a second, I'll pull it up here. Now. Yeah, no, I've got so you. Saturday, Saturday, 26th of February. There you go. There, there you go. go. You play just after us again. Look at that. Yeah. There's obviously yeah. something going on with the fixtures. Yeah, no, we, well, it is, we, we follow each other now the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> 
By the way, we love the Pirates trip. We love the Pirates trip. It's the one game of the season where we get a charter and we sell off 50% of the seats to supporters that want to come along. And it just so happens that our house brew, Jersey Red's Bitter, is brewed in Cornwall by an ex-Jersey lad, a guy that used to live there, live here. So we just have to go and do a touring, a, a brewery tour, rather, uh, on the on the uh, the morning before the game or the afternoon before the game. So it's always a good trip down there. Enjoy it. I was going to say, you have to do it. Arms, the morning. Arms up, oh, it's, it's obligatory. Yeah, really twisted. Yeah. <laughs> obligatory. Yeah. Five pints um, and a big pasty. Lovely way to set the day up. <laughs> uh, we won't we won't talk about Donny because hopefully we'll have Billy McBride on in a minute, and I think mm. we'll, we'll talk to him and get a bit, bit of an idea of that. Uh, but but also just talk about Richmond uh, and and Ealing. I mean, I I was at the Richmond Bedford game and they came and did a real number on us, and I I was worried about it before it kicked off. It, it, they did exactly what I thought they were going to do, but this weekend also shows that there is a growing force in the Championship, Richmond. They have. You know, they, they've had some very canny signings, some very clever pieces of, of timber added to the to the shed. And and I think I think Richmond are are, are a really good side. Gareth, go on, say something nice about 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 the Ragsters. <laughs> Just enjoyed your analogies and metaphors, Sam. Um, yeah, look, I'm talking about a piece of piece of timber. Hugh Worthington, actually a former player for us, uh, has been selected in the team of the week this week, um, and it. it he only managed 40, which is, is probably about as much as Hugh does ever. Um, but he had an incredible first 40. 40 heifers. Carry on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, farmer from North Wales can be good. In fact, we'll probably speak about him with Billy. Um, but um, yeah, he, he, he's, you know, look, they've got some quality in there. Clever signings. James Lennon, another uh, player formerly of us. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got some good nines there. I mean, Homer playing at fullback or wing. Um, who was at Jersey, is probably one of the best nines in the league and he's yeah. playing in the back three. So, oh, look, they, you know, Steve Hill runs a tight ship down there. They've done a good job. They, again, we talk about the different models, completely different model. You know, the full-time work, the the, the little, um, I'll say a bit more than pocket money, but, um, you know, the, the kind of pay-for-play type model, it, it maybe doesn't fit a lot of the champ models and, and there's been discussions about Joel Reg, but again, that could be a separate podcast that Mark and mm-hmm. thoughts on. But uh, all I would say is whatever they're doing, they're bringing it together nicely and they're, they're definitely more than competitive as, as we found out to our cost. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're, they're, they're a good side. The only challenge is where some of these part-time clubs, including us, match up with a physicality level. So, you know, as we found out in Jersey, uh, maybe early doors, but the, you know, we just couldn't win a line out. Um, the scrum, we actually competed. We had, we had two lads on, on Joel Reg from Saints who, who did a terrific job, actually. But the line out, and I think that's the only difference. You look at some of these full full time sides. That's just sometimes the difference. That front five, big heavy front five, um, not allowing us um, to, to to kind of get in the game. So, you know, that, that that's probably the one challenge that all the part time clubs will have. Would you agree, Mark? Or, or, or think yeah, no, I do. I do agree. Um, and and it must be quite a challenge for them when they've got to do a. a, a Cornish run or a Jersey run, you know, if they, if they want, if they're going to want to come or go on the day before, people have got to get out of work, and I guess there are only so many passes you're going to get in a season, so it is tough. But I think Richmond, I've always quite admired, and they've got a unique, again, a unique proposition. Uh, pretty much every one of those lads, if they wanted to, and the opportunities were there, they could be professional rugby players, you know. Absolutely. So they've got this unique, this fantastic proposition of being a great club for those people who are 
able to play at the top level, but have chosen to go into their respective professions, careers, whatever it happens to be. So um, we, we said about it earlier, you know, if you're sitting in Doncaster, you're sitting in Jersey, you're sitting in uh, Penzance, those opportunities aren't there. You, you know, you just can't. So they, they've got a unique proposition and they do it really, really well. Okay. Last bit with you, Mark. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, good win, as you say, the weekend against Coventry. Who's your player at Jersey at the moment who's, uh, who's been the nicest surprise this season? who's been the man oh, wow. obviously you've got a lot of great players over there but I'm going to put you on the spot who's, who's the chap that's made you go oh he's, he's really doing well there are a couple but I, I, if you're going to make me you can go have a couple. one I'll go for a couple I'm going to go for Wes White uh, you can play number eight um, he's the son of Jake White as it happens the South African uh, World Cup winning coach but he's, he's yes indeed um, but he's just really stepped up to another level um, and he's keeping Guy Thompson, has been keeping Guy Thompson sort of back a little bit or pushing Guy uh, for that number eight role. But we, we haven't had a fit number eight for the last three games now. So all of our three eights are out at the moment, but that's, uh, we'll be fine. But no, Jake, I think, has really stepped up. We saw the young Will Brown move over from Amptill, scored a hat-trick in the first half of the weekend. Um, and a couple of those were fantastic finishes. I mean, really top quality finishes uh, out on the wing. So yeah, there are a couple of lads that have really stepped forward. But uh, what I... What I would like to throw in there is I think part of our strength this season has been a fantastic togetherness amongst the squad. Um, and they really do work for each other. We had the first five games without a recognised 10. Um, we just had three games without a recognised eight. But they've got together, they've covered that, they've figured out how to do the job and, and gone out there and they're still getting it done, thankfully. Same question for you, Gareth. I mean, I, I, I could pick a couple, but but go on. Why don't, why don't you pick a couple then, Sam? I'll only get in well, trouble. Uh, yeah, no, I know. You're a bit closer to the fire. You know, they're, they're, they're absolutely tuned in, pouring in, listening on every word now. Uh, I, I don't think it would be too much of a surprise to, to pull out the name of Will Maisie. Not that I was too surprised that... Um, uh, with, with with how he has played, but just just the consistency level that he he has been able to put in, sort of week in week out, has been really really pleasing. Uh, I suppose the name that that stands out is actually one that we've had a, a bit of trouble in, and, and and I'm I'm really pleased to see him pushing on. Jack Hughes has come in, I think, and done a and done a really good job. Obviously, you know the uh, the injury situation at Hooker at one stage was looking a little bit worrying, and and and. and to see Jack push on and and, and score again at the at the weekend, a couple of, did he have a couple of tries at the end? Was he did he, did he, he not well, the second one as well? There's a bit yeah, of a fight at the bottom which of which one? That. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so uh, Sam, I, would I, think, say, I would say him. I think a lot have. So um, I think Mike's got his recruitment really spot on this year, and and not just you know Mike signs people not just based on their playing ability, but on their fit and on their culture, and um, you know a couple of forwards, uh, Luke Frost and and, and Alex Wolford. Um, very different characters. One will call in the line out, one smashing everything that's inside. Um, I'll let you choose which one, but um, they're, you know, really added quality there. And then the back division, hard to argue, amazing, but I think part of that is the fact that the competition he's receiving. Um, I mean, mm. signing Louis Grimaldi, which was, you know, Amptil's captain and, and star player in many ways, means that we've we've really pushed Will. I think that, you know, you could pick either one of them. And, and I feel for Louis at times. Uh, and it's a tough one to manage because Will's playing so well. Um, but I think the fact that we've got those options, bringing back Dean, uh, Dean Adamson back to club, you know, there's so many good ones. And then there's the same steal, you know, Tom Litchfield, um, a Bedford yeah. boy through and through and through. Um, and, and look, getting to, to see him in a Bedford shirt, bringing back former Northampton Saints player, Jamie Elliott, um, another Bedford boy. 
I think you know that's been really good for us and, and really fits the culture of the club. So you know, I, I think we're in a good place on that side of it. Uh, I, I'll add one Jersey player, and that is a lad who's just been through the ringer and a former player for us, and that's Sam Lehman. I mean, you couldn't wish for a better bloke yeah. to have in your squad. Just such a good lad, and, mm. and what he's been through, and and, and yeah. credit to Jersey. I, I take my hat off to Jersey. What they've done. To support him, I think is terrific. So well done, Mark, on that. Thank you. Thanks a great lad. You're listening to the Championship Clubs Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Well, joining us now on the uh, Championship Clubs Podcast, I'm really delighted to say a man is making a, a fine impression up in the north of England uh, for the Doncaster Knights. It is Billy McBride. Billy, nice to have you with us. Uh, I, I trust you're well. I trust everything is going well up north. Uh, thanks very much for having me on, uh, first and foremost. Yeah, um, we're all good. Uh, just come off a, a good win on the weekend against not, so um, the mood of the camp is, um, is all good at the minute. Well, we, we've just been down the uh, the fixture list of the weekend. We left your game out because we knew we'd be talking to you. Uh, tell us just, just how well Donny played. I mean, uh, Bedford, uh, I watched play Nottingham a, a couple of weeks ago and, and, and they played well, but, but, but Nottingham looked a good outfit. And it must have been a good performance to, to rack up nearly 50 points at the weekend. Yeah, it was. Um, I think we spoke about it um, today, actually, when we reviewed it. It was one of our most professional performances that we put in this year. Um, you know, not had a week off um, due to the the rearranged schedule um, against Jersey, so we were expecting some some fire to come out because they'd had a week off. Um, but yeah, we we execute, executed our game plan. Um, we went out there with a plan of how we were going to beat them, um, and we did really well to score early on to get a bonus point before half time um, was brilliant for us, and to be able to maintain that really throughout the the poor conditions, which were second half. Um, was it was a great win for us. Before you came on, we were just talking about uh, each and every club and, and the way that everyone seems to be uh, sort of uh, really sorting themselves out and getting into a good vein of form at the moment. There's there's no bad club. But Bedford found that London Scottish are, 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 are an increasingly good side at the moment. You're into your second season at Donny. I mean, the hits keep coming, don't they? I mean, every weekend there is a, a different Rubik's Cube laid out in front of you and a, a different problem to overcome. And, it, it, it uh, it's it proving a, a good and, and strong competition. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you you can look just look at the table and how much how many points separates you know the top from the bottom. Really, there's not many in there. Um, and as you said, there's a different challenge uh, each week. Um, one that you know us as a playing group are really thriving on. Really, um, especially with the big block of games that we've had from. What, about a month ago through to Christmas, uh, especially us in Doncaster, I think we were playing seven in, on seven in a row. Um, so there's no real time for um, reflection. Um, you know, we do our debrief, um, but it's straight on to the next challenge, which for us is Coventry this week, um, a team that we lost to the opening um, weekend of the season and, and a team that we, we know can be very dangerous. Um, so for us, it's about um, going out there and again, um, executing a game plan, um, which we think we can we can turn them over. Billy, um, go on, go on, Gary. Oh, sorry, Sam. Um, <clears throat> you forgot you had somebody else on here, Sam. Didn't you? I just want to speak. I was just going to ask about your own performance, Billy. You, you're obviously well known to, to Donny and the Championship of playing fullback, um, even though you've played ten at uh, RGC. Most people recognise your. Uh, 
you're from God's country uh, with your accent. So um, just just tell us a little bit about you playing 10 at the weekend. I mean, you've been team of the week a few times at 15, Sam over last year's 10 of the season. So uh, what's what's is, is Bodes just looking at manoeuvring different things and seeing different combinations or or are you thinking 10 is the, the preferred position? Sorry, just say that again. God's country, you said, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Three oh, of us yeah, all. Yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, as you said, um, you know, I, I initially signed um, as a 10. I'd never had any previous experience of playing 15. Um, it was actually the, the, the first game of the season against Ampton last year where I came on as a 15 and we were really struggling um, down there. And we came back to win. Similar story to us this season, um, really. So I came on as a 15 then. And, um, you know, Bodes came up to me and said, look, uh, how do you feel about playing 15 um, the next game, which was Cov at the time? Um, and I said, look, uh, I'll give it a go. I've never played there before. Um, obviously, it's going to be a bit different. And he, to be fair, made it quite easy. He said, look, you don't need to do anything different. Obviously, defensively, we're going to talk you through your role and stuff. Um but it's a case of getting two first receivers on the field, um, trying to play a pattern which suits both um, a left and right footed kicker in me and Sam when we're on the field together. It gives us a little bit of a different dimension in, um, in our attacking play, especially if you're defending against us, especially this year with a 50-22 rule. It's, it's a bit of a nightmare for, a, for any 15 slash wingers out there when you've got a left and right footed option. Um, so I obviously spent, well, a lot of last year playing 15 and then moved to 10 for, for the latter part of most games. Um, yeah, this week, um, sorry, last weekend then, yeah, Bose just came up to me and, and said, look, you've earned your shot, really. Um, I mean, it's been quite a little bit frustrating, obviously playing out of position, but it's a, I understand why it's for the benefit of the team. Um, and again, if the team wants me to play 15, then I'm more than happy to to throw my hands up um, and do that um, as long as, you know, the team comes first. But, you know, I was I was really excited to get the number 10 jersey on this week. Um, and it was a case of, you know, executing that game plan, as I've mentioned. Um, and for me, it was, you know, it was a, it was a little bit nerve-wracking because I haven't played uh, 10 in so long. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and the guys around me made my my work a lot easier. Um, Fordy, the backs coach, and Bowles put their full faith in me. And I I suppose it's something that uh, moving forward um, is going to be really important because, you know, Touchwood, if there is a knock or two in the back line, then it needs to be um, some depth there. Um, so it was just a case of me proving what I can do with the ten shirts, um, and then we'll see. We'll see what selection brings this weekend. Big win against Ealing uh, the other week as well. Uh, what about the word promotion? Does that get talked about? I mean, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, "No, we take it one week at a time, and we only focus <laughs> on the next week." I know what you're going to say, but I mean, come on. I mean, is is that something that that you you talk about? <laughs> Um, look, I, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that it is in the back of some players' minds. Um, I think there's a fine balance of being ambitious um, and then taking it week by week. Um, so we're an ambitious team. Um, we know that we're the only team in Yorkshire. Um, I think the Prem, I think everyone in England would like another uh, team in the Prem from Yorkshire. Um as you know, it's been a couple of years since that's happened. 
Um, but as you did, as you say, we do take it week by week. But then it, it is hard when you come up against teams like Elin and you manage to turn them over. I and mean, there is a little bit of, you know, it wets the lips a little bit, doesn't it? Um, what do you it think does. about wins like that? I mean, for me, I can only speak about it. I think that's probably the best win I've ever had in my career, that win against uh, Elin. Um, and not not the fact it was Elin, not the fact that they've, you know, everyone speaks about their budget and the players, the world-class players that they've got. But it was the fact we did it in such poor conditions. I mean, I can't describe the conditions. They were awful. Uh, and the fact that we managed to win and, you know, not just win, we we won significantly. You know, the, the scoreboard was 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 true to how we played and how well we executed that game. Um, but as you say, it, we, we're an ambitious club. Um, you know, we'd love to be promoted, don't get me wrong, but we know that we've got a lot of hard work before that happens. I thought you were going to say, because you went in from uh, 70 billion, it was all about your try. <laughs> I <laughs> did nothing. I did nothing. Look, I'm not... You look, I'm not even you look like you that. couldn't run a single yard further at that, that particular time. You're looking <laughs> for every man around you. But you celebrated yeah. in the 22. <laughs> I mean, uh, I yeah, I've looked back. I was a bit embarrassed by that. Um, but no, I got to make, yeah, got to... Jack Spittle did most of the work. He he had the, the assist. He made the interception. I was just there, just tracking, managed to get the offload in. Um, I just tried to turn on the afterburners, I suppose. Um you know, it was a long way out, but I just put my head down. As you can, as you can see by the clip, my shoulder when I run, my shoulders are up here. There's no, there's no real technique to my running. I'm just going head, <laughs> head down. Um, and luckily, you know, um, that sealed the win for us. Mark, can I switch it to you and and say, you know, when those results sort of flick across your your screen, you you know, you you fire up the iPhone at the end of the game and you, and you try and find the other results and you see that result from from Doncaster, it it does something for everyone else, doesn't it? You know, because Ealing are a strong side. There's no two ways about it. They are, you know, almost you know sort of champions elect at the moment because they are. So we know how good they are. But when Donny do that for, for, for Jersey, for, for, for Bedford, for, for, for all the other teams around it, just, just makes you, gives you a little bit of a bounce in your step, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And um, you mentioned a, a moment ago the Richmond game against Eating at the weekend. We scored five tries in the first half this weekend, but there was as much talk about the fact that Richmond was 17-0 up at halftime as our five tries. <laughs> so it, it doesn't. And just look back over the past few weeks, Pirates have, Pirates have beaten Ealing. Donny have beaten Ealing. We went and took two points from them at Valley, uh, Valley Way, which nobody's taken, uh, taken a single point yet. So they're, they're there, you know, uh, the, I think what it tells us is the quality of the teams that are in this league at the moment. And nobody can take anything for granted whatsoever. So, um, no, it was a good win and um, congratulate you on that. I'm going to jump in with a question for, for Billy, actually, with, uh, and it, it's regards your the main man, the head coach, the, the director of rugby is now. I've I got a long story with Bodes. I was at, at Donny with him, and then I was in uh, in Mark's neck of the woods in Jersey with him. So I know Bodes well, and he isn't. He hasn't always been the most refined um, giver of feedback or uh, or head coach. He's a he's a real man manager, shall we say? So uh, that rumor is it you you you're already a senior player in that group. So just tell us how you um. What your relationship with Bodes, your your one to one relationship with him, but also, um, you know, he's he's taken on the mantle and he seems to be doing a, a great job running the ball. Yeah, I mean, 
Look, I, I've got a lot of time for Bodes. Um, he gave me a shot um, with Doncaster when, you know, I would probably, how can I put it? There, there wasn't a real um, a real shot to have, but he, he took a gamble on me, really. Um, and my relationship with him is very good. I'd like to think that on and off the pitch, we get on really well. Um, you know, outside of rugby, just just two men, uh, just speaking, having good conversations to me. Um but yeah, I mean the seniority thing. Um, I'd like to think that I'm, I'm very, I'm very vocal in training. I like to, I set high standards for myself. Um, I'm the first. I'm the my own biggest critic when it comes to having a bad game or making a mistake. Uh, and I think he sees that in me, and and he knows that I'll, you know, I'm a, a driver of my own standards within the group, really. Um, so it was, you know, he invited me on the leadership group, um, which of course I, I I accepted the the invitation to. Um, and don't get me wrong, like last season we've we well this season we've lost a lot of experience from last year. Your likes of Matthew Challoner, Bomber, Charlie Foley, um, you know, senior members in the in uh, in the squad, which replace we've replaced them really with a lot of good youngsters. Um, who are, as I said, ambitious, full of energy. Um, I just want to play rugby, and I suppose um, I'm just one of those ones from last year, which played quite a lot of minutes, uh, and ones that he, he trusts me to um, to set those standards. So, um, but yeah, my relationship with Bose is, is great. Um, uh, full respect for him as a coach and, and as a bloke. I think he's another one of those those coaches. Sorry, Sam. Just to, I'll let you go. Let you go. But the um, yeah, I think he's another one. We talk about that development tool as players. Um, you know, he is a great example of somebody who moved to Jersey, having had a fantastic career at, at Donny, um, skilled in the dark arts of the set piece, it'd be fair to say. Um, and what a great job he did with a pack at Jersey before doing a great job at Leeds under very difficult conditions. Uh, and it's great to see the success of it. Um, you know, Donny's point, I just hope they could make the most of it before premiership clubs come calling, because you can't imagine it would be that long. Yeah, my question was going to be about the the, the other chap uh, in your life, who I'm sure uh, can't possibly not uh, send you a couple of couple of text messages occasionally just to see how you're getting on. That's that's your old man uh, for the uninitiated. Uh, your your dad is a, is a is a rather large figure in Welsh rugby and in all sorts of different ways. Um, but how many times does he get over and, and and have a look at you? And indeed, what's it like having a dad? in the game and, and 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 how does that manifest itself with with you as a player and 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 how has your relationship sort of developed over the years with him um good question i mean look i'm extremely pr- proud of what he's achieved um obviously the past year going on the lions tour but but previous to that um being the welsh forwards coach for mm-hmm. what 13 years um, signing in Leinster, you know, they're one of the top teams in the world. Um, and then going on Leinster, I'm extremely proud of him. Um, yeah, he's he's managed to catch a few games actually. Um, obviously, last year there's no support, um, no supporters at the ground, so he couldn't catch anything of last season. This season, um, he managed to come over for a few days actually, spent two days with well, with us, I, I say more the units. So, Bodes and Nathan Smith, the forwards coach, managed to. Pick his prick his brains a little bit, um, so he managed to watch the session, and I think um, they got quite a lot out of it. Um, he managed to come to the 
um, Richmond at home game, um, the Harpery away game where I had a bus of 20 Welsh lads all on the beer from 10 o'clock in the morning coming to watch me. Um, and he managed to come to Pirates away um, two weeks ago. So he has managed to come over quite quite a bit. Um, yeah, and look, I speak to him on a regular occasion. You know, I'm a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a nose outside of training and outside, you know, I think I've watched six games of rugby this weekend alone, um, let alone played one as well. So I'm always, you know, picking his brains about what they're doing in Leinster, um, you know, how how are they operating? Um, and he's just as interested to know how, how I'm doing. He doesn't really want, want to speak about too much about himself, um, but he's always interested about to know, right, what's the game plan this week? Um, just gives me a couple of pointers about, you know, what he thinks. He'll try and watch our games back and give me some feedback. And I suppose at a younger age, I was very, um, very stubborn in the way that he gave me feedback. I didn't really take it very well at all. Um, but I'd like to think now that I'm a bit older um, that I can take it. And I appreciate everything that he's done in the game. Um, so I can take a lot more from him. Um, but yeah, as I said, he's a, he's a good character. You know, um, he gives me a lot of um, confidence in my own game. Um, and yeah, as I said, he, he's, he's one, you know, who better to ask really than, than him. Um, so I'm very fortunate in that aspect. Uh, it's been wonderful to hear you, you speak in such tones and, and, and interesting also to hear the fact that previously your relationship would have been slightly different. And it, it takes you to get to a level of, of, of individual, of, of human, of rugby player to be able to take on the sort of advice that you need. And of course, that relationship with your own dad is, is very difficult as well. You know, you, you, you've got that. He, he, he will watch the game in a, in, a, in a different way with you on the field, won't you? And there's, there's no two ways you, you can do anything about that. And that's, that's always interesting. I speak to a lot, of, a lot of players about, you know, who've got dads in the game and dads outside of the game. The relationship you have with your dad, there'll, there'll be people listening to this podcast right now wanting to know what to say to their to their offspring, you know, they'll be out on a Sunday morning, you know, w- wanting to know whether they shout encouragement. What do they say in the car journey home, Billy? What, what, what would you say? What would you say as, as a piece of advice to give dads of, 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 of young players? Um, I think you can get caught in a trap, really, of saying too much. Um, when I go home and I see youngsters or fathers shouting everything, or it, it really infuriates me um, because... Look, your dad, your dad wants the best for you. I understand that. But when you're younger, especially when I was growing up, um, my dad was never the one to scream and shout. He'd always say it in a subtle way. But I was very, you know, hot-headed, you know, as you are a youngster. You think you know better than your own dad. And especially looking back, it embarrasses me a little bit that I knew better than my dad when he's, that's his job. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm sure he'd, he'd argue the point really that he thinks maybe I still think I know better than him, but there we are. Um, but yeah, look, I think sometimes less is more. Do you know what I mean? There's, at a young age, you just want your boys to play. Play as much as you can. You know, every Sunday, they want to, there, they want to be there, enjoying playing rugby with their mates not having to worry about what you that what they're going to say in the car on the way home. You want to go out there and enjoy, play with a smile on your face. And as that sounds as cringy as it sounds, that's what it's all about. Um, not having to worry too much about what your dad's going to say or what your dad, what your friend's dad's going to say to you. Um, and I think as young coaches, um, 
I, I witnessed their first time. They they try and bring structure in. They should be here or like, you know, coming around the corner, you're out of position where instead of, look, you just look what's in front of you. If there's, if there's a gap in front of you, you're running it. You know, if there's not a gap in there, you pass to someone that's in a gap. And as simple as it, as it sounds, that is what I try and live by sometimes. I can overanalyze things in my head about uh, what am I thinking about? What, what am I doing here? Instead of playing it with instinct. Um, so that's what I'd say to any young dad um, that's trying to coach their boys. Sometimes just encouragement is all, is all they need. Um, even if they've had a tough day at the office, maybe just a little word of positivity can, can get them to go out training um, the, next, the next training day. Um, that's what's important. Sounded uh, almost like the Bedford mantra at times there, rather than it being the, the youngster. <laughs> I, was, you know, I, I was just trying to bring Mark in and say, Mark, do you have a question for Billy? Uh, and it's not, uh, do you know how lovely the weather is down in Jersey for most of the year? And yet, Gareth got in there with, oh, that sounds like the Bedford way. Can we all stop trying to sign Billy McBride, please? <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, all, all things on paper, Billy McBride and... And Mikey Ray are uh, already family connections, aren't they? So, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's nothing like that there. But, um, yeah, Mikey Mikey likes to play with uh, a smile on his face and, uh, and in the holes. I, I was just going to ask something quite serious, getting onto the champ, and I'll let Mark add, add to this. But um, it, it's really, I guess, for you, Billy, and, and that is coming from Wales and, and being in that goldfish bowl almost growing up, um, having ended up maybe not, and, and we can talk about any opportunities of the regions. I think you spent a bit of time, but it didn't, didn't quite come off. Um, going from RGC into the champ, what were your views of the championship before you arrived? What were your, what were your views even growing up? Um, you know, did you think, oh, yeah, that's a great league. That's somebody who want to be. That's really enticing. It's, oh, my God, it's a great competition. Or was it, oh, God, OK, well, maybe it'll give me a shot window. Just what were your thoughts on the championship? Well, I think growing up in Wales, there's always that respect for the championship. Purely on this... It's a similar sort of, um, how can I put it, situation with the Welsh Premiership and the Championship where, how can I put this, in terms of there's a lot of talent to be had in the Welsh Prem and the Championship um, where maybe it's not looked upon as a serious competition. Um, when I was growing up in Wales, did all my academy stuff, regional stuff with the Scarlets, um, got released when I was 21, um, and if I'm honest with you, it was the best thing that happened to me. Um, you know, I came out of um, the t- under-20s, thought that because we'd won the Grand Slam and I'd been to a World Cup, that I was almost, you know, going to walk in to a regional spot and, you know, I was going to play a lot. But turns out that that didn't happen. And going to play for Thnethi, uh, which was the semi-pro league, semi-pro team that I was assigned to, made me realise that, you know, hold on, um, I'm not as quite as good as what I think I am. Um, so that led me to two or three seasons playing with Lethley in the Welsh Prem, where I learned a lot going to places like Bedwas, Cross Keys, Ponapreeth. Um, you know, they are tough places to go as a 17, 18-year-old. Um, playing against... Is a 10. Exactly. <laughs> playing against men, men that have been in the game a lot longer than I have. Um, and then when I got released from the Scarlets, um, got told there was nothing there for me. I actually went to Donny first. So I, Clive, Clive and um, the attack coach at the time came down to watch me play for Thlethy. I went up the next day, went to see the facilities and almost <laughs> shook hands with Clive. I, you know, everything was good, but the deal fell through for what, one reason or, or another. 
Um, so that led me to, well, hardly anything really. Um, so I went to meet with Merthyr, um, which were the, you know, the top dogs in the Welsh Prem and RGC. Now, what I decided on is that I have some family connections with um, RGC. Um, and it led me to a full-time, almost a full-time programme um, and working with Mark Jones, which was the main reason why I wanted to go there. Um, great, so great guy, guy, great guy and great coach, isn't he? Real really good, good guy, yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, um, Real hands-on, um, obviously knew him from previous, uh, previously obviously played with my dad and stuff. <clears throat> so signed for RGC, spent two years there and... For me, I look back and I couldn't be happier with the work that I've done there. I, I played 50 consecutive games there, started 50 consecutive games, didn't hardly come off the pitch. Now, for me, as a you know 20 to 22-year-old lads, those 50 games are 50 games where I am of playing experience. You can do all the training you want, but to be in the thick of it week in, week out... Um, I'm not just playing Welsh Prem. You're playing against some boys that have dropped down from the Blues, Dragons, Ospreys, Scarlets. So you're playing against some boys which are professionally contracted. Um, so they were some high quality games, some of them. You know, they were just as close as professional games as, as, as I've experienced. So 50 games without coming off the pitch. You know, I learned a lot about myself, about my game, about reacting in different situations. And then after um, RGC, I felt like there was a time for a change. I think I needed, a, with all due respect, a step up in, in quality of rugby and to be in a fully professional environment. And Bodes gave me that opportunity. Um, and I look back and similar to, to RGC and the Welsh Prem, in the champ, there's a lot of talent which goes unnoticed, in my opinion, from the Premiership or from the region. So the regions, I feel, don't don't look at the Welsh Prem enough, and I feel like the Premiership here don't look at the champ enough. Um, because the last two years, again, I feel like my game has gone to taken another step. Um, uh, I've played quite a lot of rugby in my two seasons here, um, and I, you know, I'm I'm I want more. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's it's. I want more rugby and I'm enjoying playing week in, week out to the champ. Um, and my experience of the champ is that it's a lot more physical, um, a lot faster. Um, and I feel a lot more sore on a Sunday or a Saturday if it's a Friday night game after the games. Um, so that's my my view on the champ now. Now, going back to the what my view of the champ was is when I was playing at the Scarlets, we, I actually had a little taste of it when we played the BNI Cup, the old BNI Cup. Mm. Now, um, I remember actually going to Bedford and turning Bedford over at their own spot. That was a big win for us as a Scarlets A side. Don't, don't remember that. Really. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think it was this, you know, you learn a lot then. But like we went to, there was one year we went to Leinster A away um, and we got pumped as a scholar, say 70 odd points. And I'm not even exaggerating, it was 70 odd points. Now, the week after, they came to Carmarthen Park and we turned them over at Carmarthen Park, and it was exactly the same side. So, in that side, you had boys like Jordan Lama, um, Ross Byrne, boys like that now playing week in, week out for Leinster. Now, thinking back, the same season, Scarlets actually made the playoffs to the BNI Cup uh, semi-finals. Now, we took a really good side. I started 10 that day. We took a really good side to Elin. And we, with, I could watch my language, but we got our 
handed to us. We lost 80 odd points at Ealing. And, you know, that was my lasting impression of the champ. I was thinking, wow, you know, if this is what you're up against every week, then it's a tough, tough old league to play in. And, you know, it hasn't disappointed me so far in the Donny jersey. Another mention there, Mark, for the British and Irish Cup. You know, yeah. we talked about it, it's cyclical almost, the conversation coming around again. Great, yeah. great to hear those stories. Great to hear those names, you know, uh, get, getting involved in, in, in the competition. It, it needs to find its way back in some shape or form, doesn't it? Actually, so I want to pick up on something Billy mentioned because I think it's really, really important. And that was about when you played 50 games on the trot. Uh, that is where not just you this is where young rugby players learn their skills they learn their trade yeah. not not sitting in an academy getting a game every month or two if you're lucky um, and, and we, we were talking before you came on Billy about how the championship should perhaps be embraced by English rugby in, in its bigger format and it's absolutely it should be absolutely that. it should be where young rugby boys come and learn their skills and you don't learn that unless you play regular rugby no, uh, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I, as I say, I can only speak firsthand. I've learned so much about myself and my game in those 50 games. Do you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, like, there was a few games there which I didn't perform to my best. Um, and I know I could have done better. But that adds it uh, adds to the whole the whole thing about playing regular rugby. Yeah. Um, and as you, you, say, you learn from you learn from your errors too, don't you? And that, that's, uh, you can't make errors. How do you learn? hundred percent. And you know, don't get me wrong. Nobody was more disappointed to be dropped in a regional team than me. Um, you know, I was a I'm a Scarlets fan through and through. I grew up watching my dad play uh, for Thnethy. Grew up watching him play for the Scarlets and. You know, to represent my my home region really was, you know, it was it was a proud moment. But then to be dropped from your own region is also bitterly disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, for me, I could have, you know, I could have chosen another route and gone to another academy. Or, but for me, it was about a twenty year old coming out of or twenty one year old coming out of a regional system. You know, um, still rust bit, you know, a bit rough around the edges. I wanted to play week in, week out in a team that was constantly performing that could provide me with a consistency of I'm playing with the same, uh, you know, a same scrum half every week, a similar centre partnership, a similar backline every week, and a forward pack which which rarely changed. Um, now, as a young ten, those fifty games, you know, they they uh, I look back with fondness of those fifty games because you know without them I wouldn't be in a Donny jersey today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably a, a pretty decent place to sign off, I would have thought, because you yeah. know, we, we've all made our case for the championship. But to hear those sort of words, you know, on behalf of, of a player, um, it, it really is it really is about, you know, providing an opportunity. Uh, and um, and I, I know that a lot of people listening to this will probably be in agreement anyway. We're kind of preaching to the choir, but my goodness, don't we... Uh, don't we need to get the, uh, the, the noise out there? Uh, my thanks uh, hugely to uh, Mark Morgan uh, from Jersey Red. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Thank good you. luck uh, this weekend against London Scottish. I hope it goes Cheers. well for you boys. Uh, brilliant to hear from you, Billy, as well. Uh, good luck this weekend against Coventry. I uh, hope that goes for you as well as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, my thanks to Gareth. I, th I think you were brilliant, Sam. I think Gully and uh, Mike, they, um, I, I mean, they'll be worried about the time frame because we're still going, but 
Well done, oh, Sam. Yeah. You've done a great that's job. Not, that's not what I was fishing for at all. But thank you very <laughs> much indeed. Thank you for listening as well. You definitely uh, were. You definitely were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, right. I'm just going to sign off. Uh, thank you, chaps. Thank you to, uh, for everyone listening. Uh, keep shouting loud and proud about Championship Rugby. Uh, it really is the way forward. Uh, safe journeys. Goodbye. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.